Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, in fabulous Las Vegas, where I have recently arrived for the 50 million annual, what annual are we? I don't even know anymore. World Series of Poker, uh, the first time that we've done it in October. Uh, we're going to have a November 9 this year, but you guys know all that already. I am here with uh, a living legend, you could say. He is the face of Poker Go, the voice of Poker Go, a good friend of mine, and a repeat guest here on the podcast. You guys know who I'm talking about, Mr. Jeff Platt. How are you, Jeff? Clayton, I'm good, man. It's great to be on with you. It's great to see you. We are here. We are back at the World Series of Poker. It's awesome. Couldn't be more fired up. In the flesh. And uh, as we're recording this on Thursday, October 7th, uh, in the wee hours, uh, we just saw two bracelets be awarded. So if you don't want a spoiler about who wins the bracelets, because <laughs> you're going to watch them all on tape delay on, on Poker Go later, you can fast forward 30 seconds. But we just saw... Jason Kuhn win his first bracelet just moments ago, and almost at the exact same moment, Ari Engel won his second bracelet. What was that like? It, it was absolute madness for us. So for our broadcast, we were trying to keep track of both the 10K Omaha Eater Better Championship and the Heads Up Championship, which did feature Gigi Poker's newest ambassador in Jason Kuhn. And so the matches moves pretty slowly, especially that Omaha. I mean, Omaha eight or better heads up, you know, can be tough. Limit. Zach Milchman, who's right behind it's us, limit put, too. A, put up a, a hell of a fight, a hell of an effort. Great it, game. It was man. a battle. It was full of ups and downs. It was a roller coaster ride, and everything just hit at once. So, uh, you know, they're screaming in my ear. I was doing the sideline reporting. Like, okay, we're going to interview just the winner. Just Ari. Just get Ari. No, no interview. We got to go to the last stand for Coom because Coom was all in a call. And then, you know, they were counting the chips out. It, it was uh, remarkable. It was such an incredible rush. And I was talking to Jason about this afterwards. It felt good to have not just a live tournament back, but a live tournament back with a crowd like this, with a rail like this, with an atmosphere and environment like this. And it's just something that, that you we've really come to appreciate at the World Series of Poker after having to take a year off. So it was madness, sure, but, I mean, I loved every second of it. Yeah, I mean, it is a different uh, atmosphere, obviously, having people around, people cheering, people drinking, and, and yeah. you know, cheering for their friends. Oh, were and they stuff. drinking? Yeah. It was hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. Very hard to tell, yeah. No doubt. Uh, but, yeah, to me, it's fun. You know, of course, we have to wear our masks. Uh, well, not while you're playing, but, you know, right. kind of everybody standing around is, is masked up, except when they're, you know, having another sip, <laughs> as it were. Uh, but, yeah, the atmosphere is live. You know, it's exciting. It's not quite what we remember from two years ago, but a far cry from last year, for sure. No question about it. No question about it. And that's what the buzz has felt like. I know you just got into town recently, but I think you'll see this at the first couple tables that you're at, is sure, there are long lines. Sure, the the payout process may be slow. But all in all, everybody is just so happy to be back. So it's such a, a, a positive atmosphere. It's full of these, you know, incredible vibes, as corny as that may be to say. But it's just great, man. I mean, look around. We're here in the Amazon room. We've got our beautiful stage set up. We've got a ton of different tables. We've got action going on in a ton of different bracelet events. Uh, you know, 
I think we'll say it so many times over these first couple weeks, especially, but it is so good to be back. Yeah, it's great to be back. And, you know, my, my, my listeners know, like, it's kind of similar to comedy because for 18 months I was doing comedy on Zoom, which is just <laughs> torture. I mean, if, if online poker is not as much fun as live poker, yeah. online comedy <laughs> is just horrible. So uh, I'm excited to be able to do the things that I love in person. And I know you have always been a big World Series of Poker fan yeah. from, you know, maybe the, the listeners might remember back in the day you were living in Dallas, but you would come out here uh, for the main event and maybe a few other tournaments, stuff like that. And now you are living here in Las Vegas, correct? Mm. And now you're in a different role this year, right? The sideline reporting. What's it like? How is it different? Talk, talk about that a little bit. It's incredible. I mean, just to be able to witness all of these World Series of Poker events firsthand and to get to chat with some newly minted bracelet winners and to be a part of these broadcasts with an exceptional team. I know you're going to work a couple broadcasts, so you know the crew that I'm talking about behind all of these Poker Go broadcasts led by uh, Maury Escondani and Dan Gotti. Like, I just feel so fortunate. I get to show up and talk about poker and fire off some sideline reports and interview some people and that they pay me a little bit for it, which is just, <laughs> you know, I, I do it for free. Don't tell them that, but I would do it for free. So, so it, it's awesome. I think our broadcasts get, get better and better year by year. And our, I think our set looks amazing this year. Um, and the I, set looks really clean. Yeah, it, it does. Just, yeah, it looks clean. really clean. Yeah. Clean's perfect word for it. It's just, it's just so, so sleek. And I think it'll really come across well on TV. You know, this, we have that new deal with CBS Sports Network. So all the events that we're streaming are being shown live on Poker Go. And then in a couple of months, they're, they're edited, they're produced, and they're cut down to one hour episodes on CBS Sports Network. And I think it's a partnership that everybody's going to be happy with, that Poker Go is going to be happy with. CBS, the World Series of Poker, everybody watching. There's a there's a little bit for everybody, whether you're a casual poker fan or a hardcore poker fan. So I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Very fortunate. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. I mean, I'm I'm excited. Uh, on the day when this comes out, which is just in a few hours, actually, yeah. uh, I'm actually doing my first commentary gig in the new year with the new, uh, you know, with the new system and everything uh, for Poker Go. It's going to be the 3K freeze yeah. out. So that's one of the things that's different this year is normally the main event is the only actual freeze out in the World Series of Poker. And this year there are at all different buy-in levels, various freeze outs or some tournaments where you can only re-enter once. They're kind of listening to the players like they didn't think it was fair. Like if I just have, you know, bags and bags of money, I could just keep firing and firing and firing. Whereas an amateur player might only have a limited bankroll or, or whatever. Like even some pros have a limited bankroll. In some way, everybody's bankroll is limited, right? So uh, at some point, it becomes more of a of an advantage to be rich, and we don't want that in poker. We want the fair game. So I'm excited to comment on the. Uh, and so if you have Poker Go, you can listen to me. Um, I'll be in the booth along with David Tuckman. There we go tomorrow. Fletch and Tuck together again. <laughs> Sounds like a 1970s like <laughs> cowboy movie or something. Fletch and Tuck on the Great Prairie. So that'll be fun. Now, with you doing the sideline reporting, one thing that I like is we get to see your personality more. We get to actually see you. Because honestly, when you're in the booth, we hear your voice a lot. Right, right. But we don't get to see you as much. So, you know, how uh, much work goes into making all of this beauty happen? <laughs> Well, it's a lot of prep. Uh, it's, you know, my makeup bill is, is sky high. Uh, you know, I, I prepare for these broadcasts 
kind of like I do for play-by-play, you know, with the added benefit of being able to talk to these guys when they're on breaks, before play starts, getting to know them a little bit more, and figuring out, you know, if I, if I were a viewer, if I were watching, you know, what would I want to know about these guys? And I, I try to communicate those kinds of questions to our players that are, that are at these final tables or that are lucky enough to come out on top. Like maybe Kevin Martin from GG Poker comes out on top and maybe I will be coming out on top. There we go, baby. (laughs) Maybe he wins a bracelet this summer. Maybe, maybe we get to, or fall, whatever it is. Maybe he wins too. Maybe he wins too. Um, popular, uh, GG Poker professional. Kevin Martin, also a Canadian Big Brother winner. That's right. That's yeah, right. and uh, he's very, very active on Twitch. He's uh, his his stream is really big. So yeah, um, we're sitting here like at the Rio, just moments after all the tournaments end. We got all kinds of luminaries wandering around. That's the great thing about the World Series of Poker, right? I mean, Negreanu was just here. He was sweating his boy Jason Kuhn. We just chatted with Jason Kuhn. Ari Angles right there, former World Series of Poker of the Year, uh, Player of the Year, Frank Casello directly walked behind our interview live. <laughs> Photo bomb. No big deal. And he, he kind of like, oh, like, oh, yes. I mean, could you not see the cameras and the right, lights and the right. microphones, Frank? Yeah. Um, no, that was absurd. But this is what you see at the World Series of Poker. So the, the sideline reporting again, it, it's just, um, I'm trying to hold a casual conversation with these guys. I don't want to go in with super scripted questions. I never want to go in with super scripted reports because I just want it to feel like, like we're just chatting. Um, like we're just talking about what it means to, to win a bracelet. Um, you know, the producers are great. They never, you know, force me to do this, force me to do that. They've kind of, um, open the door for me to just do whatever I feel is right in the yeah. moment and I appreciate that trust that they show me. Well, I mean, I've been watching the coverage. You're doing a terrific job. Thank you. Thank it you. is very natural. It doesn't feel like Good. a scripted interview and I know from, you know, having done a lot of interviews myself, I hate when the interviewer asks me questions that are so scripted that they don't even react to my answers. Right, that's right. like question number one and then fill in the blank. Question number two, that's not the way to do an interview but you are a poker player yourself and so I think that really helps you kind of get inside of you know what sort of things the the viewers want to want to watch and want to hear. Yeah, I th- I think that's a great point. I think you know first of all, sure when it like let's say you say a joke in your answer and the the interviewer does, they there's just nothing. no they give you yeah. nothing <laughs> or you say like yeah last time I played this event was in 2017 and then their next question is so when did you last play this <laughs> you know it's just like they're they're, they're not listening in any yeah. way whatsoever so I've learned over the years I've made those mistakes of course but to yeah. just listen because. Because we're, we're having a conversation and that's something that I really enjoy. And then, yeah, it's, you know, when I try to become a better poker player by studying, I naturally will become a better poker broadcaster, right? And so that means that when I do play by play, I'm able to set my analyst up in, in much better spots. I'm able to explain certain things to the casual viewer. And that means when I'm doing silent reporting, I know a little bit more about how to talk with the player, with the guests that we have. So, so it, it all just kind of flows together in this, this flywheel of sorts. It's a beautiful thing, and yeah. it's a great spot for you. And I hope that you enjoy it as much as we enjoy watching you do it. Thank you. I, I do. I, man, I love coming to work. I'm passionate about it. I'm so, so fired up. This was, this was maybe the longest day we've had in, in quite some time. Um, got here at, you know, 10 a.m. to shoot some oh, stuff. Wow. What time? It is now uh, almost 1 a.m. Like, I, I mean, as you can tell, I'm just fired up. And yeah. you wanted to talk about poker some more. I'm like, okay, let's, let's do it. Go. Yeah, please. Yeah, please. yeah. You snap agreed <laughs> yeah. to this interview after a 14 hour day. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know how many people would do that. So I, I really do appreciate but, your but, time. But, but, 
you sat here for a while too, so I know you love it as well. It's not just oh, me. Yeah. No, I mean I soak it up. I've been dying, you know, dying to get back here and do this again. You know, I was hoping that would happen last year, obviously, and then I was like, well, maybe it'll happen in the summer of 2021. They still made us wait a few yeah. more months, but I figured we waited this long. But yeah, I'm just excited to be here. I'll be here for the duration. Nice. Uh, all of my listeners can expect, uh, you know, plenty more guests. I hope I can get you on again. I know you're sure. going to be very busy because also you were telling me that when you're not doing the sideline reporting gig, you plan to play a little poker yourself? I think so. I think so. I've got some off time now, especially towards the end of or towards the middle and end of October with my broadcast schedule. So why not fire, right, Clayton? So, you know, the millionaire maker, the monster stack, oh, the yeah. double stack, the flip and go, Let's all go. the gimmicky stuff with a billion people in the field. I'm in, uh, I'm playing <laughs> and, and I'm ready to rock and fire a little bit. Fantastic. Have you gotten to play any, any yet or have you just been busy with yeah, the broadcast? Yeah, I've, I've played, I played that 1K COVID relief event to kick off the series, played 1K Super Turbo Bounty and the 500 WSOP online. Okay. So, uh, any caches yet, or are you going to be working more overtime this well, week? Don't, don't mean to brag, Clayton, but we do have one cache yes. on the board in that 1K Super Turbo Bounty, which, again, is all skill, of course, as Naturally, you know. Naturally, yes. So I had not quite a min cache, couple levels up, and about four bounties. So nice little return, and we're only down a little, little, little <laughs> bit for the series. So I'll take that. A weekend, right. I'll take it. On October 7th, one weekend to the World Series of Poker, Jeff Platt is down just a smidge. That's the dream right there. That is the dream. <laughs> Do you have any hands you want to discuss? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I was ready for you because I awesome. know on this Tournament Poker Edge podcast, you like to go through some hands. I wrote them down. And I think the first one, Clayton, the first one is not to say, oh, look at me. I got a bluff through. I'm the best player in the oh, world. Yeah. It, it's more to say, this is a really interesting fold from my opponent. It's a really interesting spot. And... Also, the second hand, I think I punt off into. So, if you think I'm good by discarding this first hand, I'm like, oh, I like the way you played this one. Just wait till you hear the second hand where I yeah. just just donate my chip. I understand the strategy here. You're going to pump yourself up a little bit first, and then smart. you're going to just get right back down right. to the ego where it needs to be. It's smart, right? It's a good strategy. Okay, so this first one is from that 1K Super Turbo that I just mentioned. At this point, there's a 1600 player field. We are probably. 200 players off the money and it's 300 bounties is that yeah 300 yeah. bounties so a 1000 buy-in um i i have about 25 big blinds at this point in the tournament which is just a little above average again that 1k turbo. super turbo man that moves quick so 25 blinds above average <laughs> yeah, average stack is about 20 bigs nice. um for this hand, it folds around at a cutoff who has about 50 bigs, which is all the chips oh, in, yeah. the, in the 1K Super yeah. Turbo Bounty. I mean, almost lock up He's the bracelet. He's just Joe Meehan at that Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and this guy, this player was was recognizable to me. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that he was a pro, but I, cu I couldn't tell you much more. I'd just been moved to the table. Right. So I couldn't tell you too much more other than that. Um, so he raises it up. Again, he's got about a 50 big blind stack. Makes a standard just barely above the min raise. I think he goes 2.1x. Folds around to me in the big blind, and I defend with the jack-8 offsuit. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a definite call here. I mean, I would call with a little bit worse than that. Yeah. Not too same. much worse, but right. a little worse because it's, you know, you're getting a good price. And you know, your hand flops. You can figure it out. Yeah. 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 I, I think, it, you know, super standard so yeah. far. Um, so after I defend, the flop comes king of diamonds, five of clubs four diamonds and my first note is i don't have a diamond 
Right. And we also jacket. don't have a leading range here. Do right. We? Yeah. I, I don't think so on these king high flops. So it's king uh, five four heads up. Two diamonds, you don't have any diamonds. Correct. So we whiffed this flop about We're, as badly as you yeah, could. Yeah, yeah, we whiffed pretty bad. I mean, to the point where I, I think I'm I'm check folding just a lot. Sure. Just a lot there. You, we're just kind of waving the white flag. Now, let's say I have jack eight with the jack of diamonds. We aren't waving the white flag yeah. quite yet, right? Maybe yeah. if it's the, even the eight of diamonds, we aren't waving the white flag quite yet. But just just the, just the that one backdoor straight draw with the jack eight with the unders to the king, not too promising. You have so, to catch perfect to make it straight, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> Like a six and a seven. Yeah, so so I check, really planning on check folding. He checks back. Okay. Okay, so now the door could be open, I think, to leading some turns. And tell me if you agree, but I think this was one of them. As the turn was the six of clubs, so that brings two flush draws on board. So it's king, five, four, six, two diamonds, and two clubs. Oh, so this is a really good card for you to, yeah. to for you to fire because you now have a gut shot. Mm -hmm. As I said a moment ago, you have to catch perfect. Well, you got one perfect, and now we need a seven to make that straight. But now we also have a lot of cards that we can rep on the river because now there are two possible flush draws for our opponent who almost definitely doesn't have the yes. front door flush draw because yes. he didn't continuation bet. Right. And almost everybody bets there because you might as well just take the pot now. You're going to win it such a huge percentage of the time. So we can pretty much rule out him having flopped the flush draw. Now, he may have picked one up here on the turn, but that's also pretty unlikely. But now if you fire and start to rep that card, then he doesn't know if you're betting because you actually have a hand. Are you betting because you just picked up the backdoor flush draw and you're trying to semi-bluff? But either way, he's going to be in a, in a really tough spot to try to figure out what's going on. And don't you also think, and I thought about this before I fired, I do end up firing, that a lot of times in, in this very specific spot, that you have to be prepared to go bet, bet. Like if he's checking back ace-jack, for example, I, I could have listed a whole range of hands. He's, if he's checking back ace-jack on king 5-4 and I lead the six, that brings a second flush draw, he's, he's not going to fold too no. often. Right? Almost everybody calls there now. Right. Years ago, they would fold. Sure, I, well, sure, I just have sure. ace-high, I'm going to fold. Nowadays, everybody's stickier than they ever used to be. So that means if we are going to bluff, we have to be prepared. Like I mean, kind of depending on what the river card ends up being, there's a lot of rivers we need to bet again. So it's got to be a two-street strategy, not just one. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And so for the sizing, I went I went one-third pot here on the turn as far as... I think. I, th I just think my leads there, whether whether I have it or not, are kind of around that, that one-third, that smaller leading range. What do you think about that sizing? I like it. I mean, yeah. typically I'll go bigger on the turn um, just because I want to either try to take it down now or like just make a bigger pot for me to win when I bluff again on, on the river. Sure. So it, it's almost like if I have a two street strategy for my bluff, I almost want him to call that bet on the turn because I'm going to fire again yeah, on the river and win it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then I know yeah, I'm going to yeah. win a bigger pot when he folds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building a bigger pot for me to win with my with my river bluff. But yeah, I mean, obviously uh, one third is fine, and then you can you can go big if if a really scary card comes on the end. Right, and and so he calls he calls turn. And that river, I think, brings a pretty scary card in the form of the four of spades. So none of the flush draws hit. So it's king, five, four, six, four. No, and the flush draw did not come in on the river. Oh, okay. I thought we had spades. No. No. Oh, okay. All right. So there's no spades. Uh, no flush, I mean. No flush. No flush. And now the four has paired. Right. So what did Jeff bet on the turn that he's now betting again on the river? Yeah, that is pretty scary. Yeah. That is scary. Especially if he just has like ace high, like you said, he might have 
some random ace high that he called you with on the turn, especially when you bet one third pot, you are going to get more calls with wider range, so weaker hands. And aren't I betting one third with like my seven four, eight four, three four, you know, all of that, you know, my random like jack four suited. Yeah, I mean, you like, have a lot more four than he does. I have all the yeah. fours. I yeah. have all the fours, I think, there in that spot. So I bet pot. Yeah, there. I like it. So the small bet on the turn gets called, and now you really have to like, you know, pump it. Yeah, pedal to the yeah, metal. Yeah, yeah. I like it. And he tanks... And he tanks, and he tanks, and you know it was kind of kind of a good feeling, like that sick feeling where like you know your your body's really tight, you're thinking fold, fold, fold. But it was also proof, like, hey, we're back at the World Series of Poker. This is a pot that means something to me. This is awesome. Yeah, now for me, Jeff, when I when I see somebody really in agony and yeah. it's the river, so I know he's not acting. Yeah, I know I've done my job. Right. So whatever happens next, it's it might like, not work. I put him through the ringer, and that's the job. Sometimes he's going to guess right, but that's just it. If he's agonizing this much, he's guessing. And that's good. The more guessing they're doing, the more you're winning. Yeah, I think so. And here's the value of the line that we took is that he ended up folding and he showed a king. (laughs) So on the king 5464 where the flush draws do not come in, he showed a king and folded. I'm like... That's not quite what I was targeting there, <laughs> but thank you very much. Wow. And so it made me think like, oh, wow. Wow. Like, wow is right. I, I mean, put it this way. I wouldn't try that in the 10K Super Turbo Bounty. No, no, no. I think, that, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's very fair. I don't think, I don't think those guys are folding kings. So then I was thinking about like, could it, you know, it, yeah, he has to call with like his king sevens, his king eights, his king threes. But like, can he fold king ten? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Because there's so many turns that, or so many hands that I have where I would fire a turn there. Every flush draw, both flush draws, yeah. the one that flopped, the one that turned. Yeah. Um, yeah, you the know, board I, is so wet with straight draws, flush draws, combo draws. Yeah. That you are going to have a lot of bluffs. I might think I'm value betting eights there, for yeah, example, for because sure. the king's. A king's going to see bet flop more often than not. Yeah. Um, so I was very surprised. You know, this <laughs> kind of opened my eyes to, oh, maybe this can just get through a ton. Yeah. Well, I mean, once you have that information about one of your opponents, oh, now, that's, that's why yeah. you don't want to fold uh, your top pair face up. Like, just throw it away. You don't have to show me what you folded, right? right? right so right, when right. he does that, now we have inf- extra information on him. And if that's kind of what, what people are doing in that tournament especially in a super turbo, I would be pedal to the metal a lot. That would be a great tournament for me because I like to get at, this, after it. This would, I hope you have some of these on your schedule <laughs> yeah, over the next yeah. month. Good, because, the, yeah, these are made for you, I think, yeah. <laughs> to either win the bracelet or go busto in an hour yeah. or so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe collect one bounty and then go busto. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Do you want to do another one? Yeah, it, yeah let's, right, let's, awesome. let's do another one. Yeah, I think you play that hand well. Okay. I do. I, yeah. I think you play that hand well. I like it. I might size up a little bit on the turn, but yeah, yeah that's a minor detail. But, I think your opponent should never be, because he doesn't have enough bluff catchers if he's folding a king. Right, right. I agree with you. And I also think that, you know, I think over the, these last two years or so, we've opened our minds to this more, but leading turn from the big blind that you don't always, even, even when you check call flop on something like that, on one of those kind of scariest turn cards, I think you're free to lead turn. And you can almost, not necessarily in this case, but in others where you went check call on flop, you can use the turn as a blocker bet of sorts, right? To limit the size of the pot. So like, let's just say I had, um, seven five 
on the king 5-4 and I check called and the turn was a six. If I led super small there, it's really hard for him to raise me there. And I, I think you're keeping the pot from being inflated. Let's say I check and he went huge. Yeah. Then I'm just stuck in hell. Like I, I have to call here. The what am I going to do on the river? The pot's going to be so bloated. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Because you picked up a draw. So, yeah. so if you pick up a straight draw or a flush draw on the turn and you want to lead small to not have to pay a bigger price if you check, I mean, that's that's a good play, especially if your opponent had a high probability of betting that card. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, if he was going to check, then you just cost yourself. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you check, you don't have any fold equity. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I always bet almost at every opportunity yeah. that I can get. I bet. Even when it's not my turn, I just bet and hope everybody folds. Yeah. 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 So so to this next tournament, this is from the online event. This is from the online five hundred dollar um, you know, a bunch of reentries, whatever. I think we're we're just past the reentry stage. So we're not close to being in the money right. um, for this one. And I mean, you know this. These World Series of Poker Online tournaments, uh, they draw the worst of the worst and sometimes the best of the best. Yeah. And so sitting at my table was one of the best of the best. His name is David Coleman. Uh, he really burst onto the scene during the Poker Go Cup where he made some sick runs and some 25Ks and 50Ks. And a lot of the top-level pros, like the Ali Amshuroviches of the world, Daniel Negranis of the world, they speak very highly of this player. So he was at my table, which is not great news. He was on my right, which is good news. So this is no this, relation to Daniel Coleman. No relation. Okay, no relation right. to Daniel. Just Coleman. a different crusher. Just a different Coleman. elite yeah. <laughs> Coleman in the in the poker world. Right. So it, for this hand, we're both about eighty bigs deep or so. Um, the blinds, the the small blind and big blind both had about 20 bigs. That won't really come into play. Okay. So it folds around to David Coleman. He opens in middle position. Uh, his standard open was like, again, a little over 2x or so. Uh, I'm behind him in the low jack with pocket nines. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. How many blinds do we have again? We have like 80 ish. Okay. And so does Coleman. We All have right. very similar. So we stacks. have good, good size stacks. Yeah. I think three betting is okay. Mm-hmm. I think calling is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he's such a strong player might make me want to three bet more. Yeah. Because it's hard to play these kind of medium strength pocket pairs, even in position against, a, you know, a true crusher. Um, but at the same time, you can have a lot more with set value if you just call and then you have a little more wiggle room afterwards. And you do have position. So some of his skill advantage over us is going to be diminished by the fact that he'll be out of position against us. So I think on balance, I would just call. Yeah, and I mentioned, you know, the stacks of the blinds. I think there are some reshove stacks there where I I call behind with the nines, folds around to them, and they shove, Coleman folds, and I'm in a great spot with the nines. I'm in a great spot. So You're in a great spot as long as you don't throw those nines away. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I think, I think, I think tens, I would three bet for sure. Okay. And I think I think nines are kind of like the half and half. Yeah, either one is fine. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. optional. Um, so I, I, as a solver would say, it's it's a mix. Yeah, the, it's yeah. a mix. So you, yeah, when I punt this off, I'm just gonna say low frequency play <laughs> low or something like that. Play, yeah, right. it's a mix, low frequency, awesome. whatever. Awesome. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so the, the nine of spades and nine of clubs, by the way. Okay. So I call behind. Everybody else folds. Flop is jack of hearts, seven of diamonds, two of diamonds, jack seven deuce with two diamonds and one heart. I have two black nines, and he checks. Okay. So, I mean, if we bet, we're trying to protect our equity, yeah, yeah. right? Clean up our equity mm-hmm. against hands like K-9 
king, queen, whatever. Like all of that, all, all these tens, yeah, ace all that nines, hands that don't have a pair, yeah. but they have decent equity against right. us. Um, I don't know that we can get much value. Sure. Like called by worse, unless we bet really, really small. And I don't think that's the game we want to play against the player you described. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm okay with checking. Yeah. I think I would prefer to bet. I would probably bet a little less than half the pot here and hopefully just take it down right there. I, I bet, I bet one third there. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned the hand protection. I think that's really important. Uh, I, I do think that, that, you know, Coleman will check call a lot of his ace highs. Um, no diamond in my hand, no heart in my hand. I mean, he, you know, all of his flush draws, his backdoor draws, um, would put some chips in. Doesn't so, this feel like a, I'm sorry to interrupt that's you. Okay. Doesn't this feel like a better flop for us than it is for, for sure, him? For though? sure. When we just call behind. Yeah. I do think it is better for us. And so that's why I think he might not be as call heavy with with his ace yeah, high yeah, hands great because point, great it's point. like he, maybe the ace king ace queens of the, the world best, but, but yeah. not like the ace tens right, ace nines that right. kind of stuff okay all yeah. right cool yeah we're on the same page there so after i bet one third he check raises and he goes three and a half x okay. on that check raise all right this is weird like i really don't know how to range this check raise i mean obviously he could have a lot of fun doing this with a set sure but a lot of players would just make a normal c bet with a set Right, like if he opened with pocket sevens, middle cards of seven, you flop that seven. Like you don't really want to go for the check raise. Not too many. I don't see a lot of check raising with, like the the nuttiest hand sure. here. So then, typically, those bets will be made more with our bluffs. But how many bluffs does he have on jack seven? Deuce with deuce. two diamonds. I mean, I guess he's check raising a lot of flush draws. Even then, I think it's just mostly a c bet. I don't know what he has because we didn't talk about this hand before. Right. Whatever he has, he's playing it in a strange way. Yeah. And I'm not ready to fold my nines. Are you? No, sir. I am not. Um, You know, I think from what I've seen, when we've been doing the commentary for like these Poker Go Cup events that all of these elite high rollers are in, a lot of their check raises consists of backdoor drives. Like, for example, on this Jack of Hearts, Seven of Diamonds, Deuce of Diamonds flop. I see a lot of check raises with like the ace three of hearts, mm-hmm. ace four of hearts, those backdoor draws with an overcard to the jack that puts a lot of pressure on your opponent. Because like you said, I mean, we're calling with the nines, but we don't feel like fantastic. Not loving it. We don't it. feel ter- yeah. <laughs> terrific. And, and all of our bluffs have to fold there, right? I mean, when, when we get check raised, we're just, we're just, yeah. Like, oh, I was just kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's just like, oh, you know, nice sucks for JK. us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we make the call. And, and I think it also helps, you know, I mentioned those backdoor draws. So when I have two black nines, not having the nine of diamonds for that flush draw that's on flop and not having the nine of hearts, because I think a hand like nine, 10 of hearts, he probably check raises. Um, I think a hand like, you know, Queen nine of hearts is kind of similar there, and that's got that overcard that a lot of these guys check raise with. Interesting. So it's like you have your gut shot in some cases, you have an overcard in some cases, but having that backdoor potential is really what what is causing them to to feel like it's a good check raise spot. Yeah. Because you're going to be able to fire a lot on the turn. Yes. Yes. And you're yes. also going to get there sometimes. So even if your opponent correctly reads that your check raise on the flop is mostly a bluff. 
he might not always figure out that you did, in fact, get there and you're no longer bluffing. Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. So we do make the call with the nines. The turn is the four of clubs. So it's jack of hearts, seven of diamonds, deuce of diamonds, four of clubs. And he bets uh, two-thirds. Okay, so it's a, it's a sizable bet. Yeah, yeah. The pot is, has escalated after his check raise was pretty sizable. Yeah. And towards the bigger sizing there, I think. Yeah, and if he, was, if he chose to check raise you on the flop because he wanted to just get you to fold out your bluffs, then when you call and he continues, we have to wonder... Like you, you've told your story, which yeah. is I bet the flop and I meant it because I didn't fold to your check raise, buddy. Yeah. And now he's still betting, which to me shows a lot of strength, especially when that card didn't bring any of those back doors we were talking about a moment ago. So now I'm starting to dislike my nines more and realize I may be getting outplayed by David Coleman here. I think I'm just going to throw it away. Yeah. I. So I, I tank on turn. And my thought process was more, um, this card's not terrific for him, assuming what I was thinking his check-raising range was. So if he's check-raising me with the backdoor draw, with the, the backdoor straight draws, with the flush draws, with all of that, then that's not a, that's not a good card for him. So it for me, I think his flush draws, his straight flush draws would continue with this kind of line after he check raised on flop and putting a lot of pressure on me on the turn. I, you know, sure he could have a set. The sets are, are not as likely because there are very few combos of sets, right? Especially on, on a jack seven deuce where deuces, I think he probably just mucks in, in mid position. Um, it feels like it might be an overpair at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be something like that, that, and I didn't put, I think my biggest problem here, Clayton was, after he check raised flop, I didn't think about enough of his value check raises there. I, I'm always like, oh, what's he doing? What, you know, he's trying to get tricky here with his, with his flush draws, with his backdoor draws, with his backdoor straight draws, with his backdoor straight flush draws, you know, all of that. Not thinking like, what are his good hands here? Right. And the fact that it's such a brick on the turn yeah. and then he bets two thirds kind of makes me get off of that way of thinking. That's where I decided to yeah. change gears and say, well, now I'm actually worried about my nines. Uh, on the flop, I wasn't ready to fold them because it was like, well, he might be doing something cutesy, like that ace tray of hearts you mentioned, right, right, something right. like that. Okay, so he's getting cute. I'm I'm not going to be that easy to get rid of when I have value. I have I have right, nines. Right. It's a pretty strong. Pretty yeah, strong. it's a decent hand on jack seven deuce, right? Mm -hmm. But now that a brick hits and he bets pretty big again, it's like, well, you know, the days of like really good players just muscling us and trying to force us out of pots with pure aggression are kind of over. This would be one of the cards that the solver would have taught him. We don't fight. We don't continuation right. with another barrel once we got called. So that kind of leads me to say, that not that he's never bluffing, obviously. Sure. He has to have some sure. bluffs. But I feel like this is going to be a pretty value-heavy bet. And I don't like my nines anymore. I'm running for the hills. Yeah. Nice hand, David. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I mean, I think if he was sitting across from a guy who he pegged as, like, just an old super, super yeah, tight yeah, amateur, yeah. then it's kind of like that old-school way of thought where yeah. you're like, okay, I check raised on flop, he called. But if I yeah. just put some more pressure just on him keep on the betting till they go away. But against yeah. what he has to at least assume is an average opponent, yeah. then I do think that that bet represents strength more often than not. But... I told you this was more of a pun. Oh, so, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I so, so I, I do, I right. do, I You're do continue to make okay. the call. Right. I was streaming this on Twitch and, and I kind of, 
explain the thought process that I, I just talked about where I'm like, no, this card's not good for his check raising range. And he's just trying to put pressure on me. Um, and trying to get me to fold a hand like a, like nines or yeah. eights or, or something like, I mean, even like Jack 10 at this point is in hell. Yeah. On but the Jack calling. 7 deuce four. Right. But, but it's, it's, but it's, calling. but it's calling. Yeah. Uh, and so I flick in the call with the two nines. The river is the six of clubs. So it's Jack of hearts, seven of diamonds, deuce of diamonds, four clubs, six of clubs. So that diamond draw does not get there. Right. Um, and he shoves. <laughs> Pot size shoves. <laughs> <It's> so brutal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's putting, He's putting you, uh, he's putting your head in a vice, as they used yeah. to say. Yeah. I mean, you just, now you're the one who's agonizing. What do I do? I mean, honestly, I think if you call the turn, you probably have to call the river. Yeah. Now I'm in this, this you're sick, in disgusting it. spot yeah. where I'm saying, okay, I call turn. I know he set this up for a pot size river shove. Like yeah. that's just the way he's set up with his sizing. That it's going to come on a variety of rivers. Yeah. And I said, these guys will just put max pressure on you. And that's just what, that's what they will do. So yeah, I kind of like your train of thought where, okay, I'm either folding turn or I might have to go call, call here, yeah. which might, which should probably push us more to folding turn. Yeah. That's you why know, I wanted to get out of yeah. there. Cause I don't want to have to face yeah. another bet when I'm already starting to sense strength on, on four street. But yeah, I think if I, if we choose to call, the turn, then we have to call again a lot on the river, especially on a relatively innocuous river card there. It's not like an ace hit on the end or something that might allow me to get away. I think I'm stuck with this pair of nines. I'm just just going to call and and see the bad news. That's what I thought. I was just resigned to to clicking the call button there and hoping he showed me some some crazy bluff. And uh, he did not. He showed me a value hand. Uh, do you have any idea what it was on the Jack Seven Deuce Four Six? I'm gonna guess. Uh, I did. I did start to feel like overpair. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna go with like Kings. Yeah, it's a good guess, and it, it's effectively the same. It was Ace Jack. Yeah, so it was the top Ace Jack pair, top club, kicker. So yeah, I th- I think it was a really cool line by him. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you bet on that flop, he's hoping you have a Jack. And the way that board shook out, whatever jack you have, that ace jack is still good. Yeah, and I'm probably you, going call call, right? Yeah, you don't have jack four yeah. or whatever. So, and I think that's that's part of why you see more and more checking out of position on flops like that on just the jack seven deuce. I really think you, dry. Yeah. yeah, I think you would have done the same with the over pairs, like 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 you mentioned. Yeah, um, it just it kind of like opens up the door for this whole. Uh, array of options where mm. he could also keep the pot small. He could just check call, you know, with a variety of his hands. Um, yeah, I, I was really uh, impressed with the way he played it and not thrilled with myself. You know, I ran it through a couple of people and yourself included now. And the consensus does seem, you know, to, to fold the nines. Now, if <laughs> this is funny because we just mentioned this. Now, if you were in solver land, I think the solver would say you sometimes probably call with black nines, uh, right. not having that nine of diamonds that you do probably have to call on the turn at least some. But I think overall, you know, for the, the tournaments that we're playing, that yeah. me and you are playing, I think we can click the fold button uh, a lot more often than not. Yeah. There. And sometimes you will be folding the best hand, but you're, you're supposed to get bluffed some of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and, and yeah, and like you said... The bluffs from Coleman still come. They come at a lower frequency, sure, but I do think they still come on that kind of run out. Yeah, for sure. He has to have some in his range. Yeah. The best players are always going to have some yeah. number of value hands for their bluffs. 
and some number of bluffs for their value hands. Yeah, it's yeah. just that's what makes them great is that you're never actually going to be able to say, well, he's always right, anything right. in any spot. You're never going to be able to say always about you know, Ari or Jason. Yeah. We just watched them both win bracelets tonight or, you know, somebody that everybody's giving attention like this David Coleman, who's a name I just heard because yeah. I haven't caught up on all my old Poker Go episodes. There is so much content on Poker Right. Poker there, there right we now. really do have a lot. Not to show, but we really do have a ton. And, and. If you watch David Coleman play, you might be like, hey, you should just call there and roll your eyes and call because the man is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he is, he is pretty absurd. He does take some crazy lines. But, the, I mean, that's kind of why he's one of the best with these guys. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, dude, I, I'm so pumped now for the World Series. Like, talking to you yeah. about poker and just getting my blood flowing and start thinking about hands and strategies and everything is just extremely exciting. I know you have to go, but I just want to ask you quickly, uh, what kind of storylines are you following and now that we are finally back here after, what is it, 27 months or something? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first one was already answered. The first one was just overall turnout, right? How would the reunion do with a $500 buy-in with a $5 million guarantee? Yeah, yeah those questions were answered in the form of a uh, 12,975 entry wow. field in the form of a, like a $5.5 million prize pool. And these other events are coming on strong too. So more than 4,500 entries in that $600 deep stack, which was on a Monday, amazing. by the way. Yeah. It, it was amazing. So the turnout has been tremendous. I was also worried about the logistics of it all. They're short on dealers. They're short on staffers. Exercise some patience when you're here, especially if you're in the payout line. I almost got in a fight with a couple of people telling them to pull out a little bit. Um, but but most people have been have been very patient and have been very positive and that's great. So when so now I feel like we're we're allowed to move on to the actual poker storylines and of course with us you know we can't help it. We always want to see Phil Hellmuth in the mix, right? We always want to see Daniel Negreanu in the mix. You know where is Phil Ivy is always a top storyline for us. So one weekend. For Phil Helmuth to start this thing off with two final tables, one in the 25K horse, one in the 10K Omaha, eight or better. Sure, there's a ton of variance involved in this. We know this. But it could also show that that he's pretty sharp, that he that he's on it, that he's he's making Hashtag some runs. Hashtag positivity. There we go. There we go. And there it is. <laughs> today was, now, he wasn't around so long because he was, he was super short stack. But today was like a very restrained Phil Helmuth. Mm-hmm. Wasn't as emotional. Apologized at the beginning of the day. And then promoted his brain fuel drink oh, or whatever yeah. the case oh, yeah. may be. He's always but, got something. Yeah, obviously. right, right, right. But then yeah. he was eliminated. He said, "Good game, guys." You know, he came over and chatted with me. He's very calm. Not too bratty. Not he wasn't too <laughs> bratty. He was not. He was not the poker brat today. So I'm very curious to follow him. Curious to follow Negranu. And then you know this. It's always like one name just just jumps out of nowhere at you. Like it was David Coleman for the high roller scene. Who's it going to be? You know, somebody could pop up and win two bracelets or win a bracelet in the final table another couple events so maybe you'll take down your first bracelet maybe maybe (laughs) maybe you'll take down some you and i met in the main event that's That's how we first became friends the 2015 main and i'll certainly never forget that (laughs) so (laughs) yeah hopefully we can be part of the top storylines and that'd be a good sign for us that sounds good well jeff i really appreciate you taking the time to join us once again on the tpe podcast it's been a pleasure clayton always enjoy chatting with you all right well right here live from las vegas and the world series of poker here at the real all suites hotel resort and casino oh and spa don't forget we're the back spa. <laughs> we are back for jeff platt and for everyone here at tournament poker edge i'm clayton fletcher thank you so much for listening i wanna hold them like they do in texas plays hold the
Me. Uh -huh. 